Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Suzanne. I'm one of the librarians from City of Parramatta Libraries. Uh, I'm currently on the lands of the Darug people, but wherever we are in Australia, we are meeting on land that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And I would like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Uh, thank you for attending our very special Sydney Rise Festival event in con conversation with Alicia Yesenita. Uh, Alicia will be chatting about her young adult fantasy novel, The Midnight Girls, with one of our wonderful Epping Library staff, Deanie. Uh, Alicia is a fantasy writer, uh, hailing from Sydney, Australia, a library technician by day. Woohoo, library staff. <laughs> she spends her nights writing and ha hanging upside down from trapeze and aerial loop. Poop. I'm sure you're all going to have questions about that one. Uh, she's the author of The Dark Tide and now The Midnight Girls. Visit her at uh, her website. So just a little housekeeping before we begin. The uh, bathrooms are just outside the door to the left. Uh, in the event of an emergency, please follow the direction of library staff. Uh, and there will be an opportunity to ask Alicia questions towards the end of the talk. And we have uh, books from Dimmicks available for uh, purchase and signing as well, book signing. Uh, and our hashtag is well, Sydney Fridays Festival, hashtag, and hashtag Paralibrary. Uh, please turn your mobiles to silent. Nothing worse than interrupting the, the flow of discussion. And without further ado, please join me in welcoming Dee and Alicia. Thanks, Suzanne. And thank you to Alicia again for joining us today. Um, and again, thank you for coming out on a, what's a bit of a miserable looking day um, to step into the world of Lehia. Now, now, being that the language is of European, Eastern European descent, I will apologise now profusely to anybody of Eastern European descent for my um, terrible pronunciation. Um, Alicia, this is fantastic. Let, look, I, I am denied about where to start an author talk, but um, I'm not offering lip service when I say that this is a great read. Um, if you haven't had a chance to, please grab a hold of it. It's um, obviously a design for, what age group would you say, Alicia? What would you like to see? Um, 12 plus. 12 plus. Yeah, yeah lovely. Yeah, yeah. that will be going into our YA collection. But um, even for reluctant readers, I would almost go down to, say, 11 or so. Really fast-paced, lots of action, and not too many uh, backward-forwards, which some of us might get with our fantasy. Um, first of all, how when you're writing, do you have a certain format that you follow? Um, personally, I really like the three-act structure, and I think most people are really familiar with that, like beginning, middle, end. Yep. Um, there's like so much online, like with beat sheets and stuff, so I think it's a really great like story structure to start with when you're starting out. Really easy to follow. Yeah, right. And just, um, for those of you who have read it, you'd realise how much... A lot of it is actually steeped in historical reality. I wouldn't say events as such. I think that would be your, um, yeah, you did a lot of research, did you, prior to starting, during, or? Um, yeah, as I was writing, I did a lot of historical research. Um, it's not meant to be 100% historically accurate, but I was um, very influenced or drew a lot of inspiration from the final days of the Kingdom of Holland um, right. in the 18th century. Yeah. So, yeah, I did a lot of research reading, um, like, biographies of people who lived then, um, just, like, the life of the last king of Poland. Um, some of, like, Poland's famous famous heroes lived in that time. Um, it's a really fascinating period of history. 
Um, and yeah, like accounts of like what, what foods people were eating, how carnival was celebrated back in those days. Um, yeah, so a lot of research, which was like, I got kind of derailed sometimes because I was enjoying myself so much. Um, yeah, and just kind of mixing that all together to make the setting for the book. And um, you have has personal heritage in yeah. your family line? Um, yeah. My dad's side of the family is Polish. My grandparents came here as refugees after World War Two, so that was also like kind of nice to research more about like where they came from. Definitely, and you touched on um, some of the foods. <laughs> um, I must admit, I'd love to be a carnival. That sounds fabulous. <laughs> um, seriously, not only um, the Kulgari ride that I want to touch on later, but things like the Fawoki. Fawoki, sorry, there's that W again. Um, and that, is, that just sounds delicious. Mm. Do you um, do you imbibe? Do you enjoy cooking? Polish food is really nice. Um, like my auntie, my dad's sister is like the big cook in our family. Right. Um, so yeah, but I do make, um, I've made stuff with my sister and my mum, like kiyoki and everything. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really fun. We use my aunt's recipes and then like she learned from her mother and her grandmother. So yeah, it's nice to have that like connection and carrying on that kind of thing. Absolutely. It's very important. It's funny talking about um, that connection and following that line. It, in my mind's eye, I don't know if anybody else had this, but when we're at um, Yaga's house, I can see Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> it um, it really does have that fantastical fairy tale imagery. You use really lovely language. It's not verbose and it's not leaving you with anything. And, um, I think I also feel like it would make a great movie. <laughs> um, I think that's like every writer's dream, like, mm. to have the movie or like the Netflix series. Um, even like I... I'd love to see it like animated because I feel like oh. some of the transformation scenes would be a bit hard to pull off in live action. That would be very expensive, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about a transformation scene, would you mind if I actually read out a passage? No. Okay, no, so please. there was lots and lots of passages that I'd love to read out, but purely just for the descriptive factor, this is, um, this is a scene where we first... First full transformation, I feel, of, sh sorry, Zoha here? Zosha. Zosha, sorry. And is it Marinka? Mar yeah. Oh, okay. Well, one heart. That's okay. <laughs> okay, so this is where they just, I'm, I just want to read this out to you because I just found that this was so beautifully descriptive and not overly wordy. So, um. Darkness spread from the tips of Zohia's pale fingers, upper hands and wrists and forearms, as if Shadow was painting her a pair of gloves. It spread like lacework up her neck. The veins at her temples blackened, her senses sharpened and so did her teeth. Everything looked brighter, crisper. Her fingers tapered to long, lethal black claws. Her eyes were fully dark, two hollows like the empty sockets of a skull. <laughs> How good's that? Like, can't you just imagine that on screen? Well, I mean, that's just the, the beauty of your writing because that's a movie in my head. <laughs> so, can I ask you where that inspiration would, would come from? I mean, I love the fact that there's two female lead characters. The feminism is fabulous. I'm, I'm here for it. But monsters. Um, 
I think like the original spark was kind of um, I read in the Dark Tide first, my debut, yeah. um, and it had a relationship in it, in it between like a hero and a villain character. Um, and I had so much fun writing like the villain character that for my next book I was like, you know what, I'll just make them both villains because that'll be like really fun. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the original spark and then I mixed it together with like a lot of Polish history and Polish folk tales. The three main girls in The Midnight Girls are kind of based off Baba Yaga's three servants. Um, so there's one that represents morning, one that represents day and one that's midnight. Um, so yeah, they're my monster girls and I kind of mixed them with beliefs about like moon rapes and night, night demons, like Polish monsters. Um, yeah, I always loved that like in the like in the Russian versions of like Baba Yaga folk tales, um, the servants are always represented as like men, but in some Polish folk tales they're three girls. Um, and I thought it would, would be really exciting and just because we don't know a lot about these servants. Mm. They're more just to represent Baba Yaga's mastery over time. Um, so yeah, I wanted to give them their own stories and kind of use that as a base for my book. And it's fabulous, really. <laughs> and um I'm finding it very hard to not say too much. But for those of you who haven't had the pleasure of reading it yet, there's a nice little twist at the end um, where she's still being teased by by her <laughs> adversary. Um, this really does lend itself to a sequel or a series. Like, um, I, for one, again, I'll be here for that. Um, I think you'll find that a lot of readers would love to see um, that that fearless duo really come together but stay apart kind of thing. Like that thrill of the chase is um, really there and being being held accountable by your adversary I think is a, is a lovely thread that runs through it. What, what say you? <laughs> Do you see that in with your, as a parent of the girls really? Um, yeah, it would be, it would be really fun to write a sequel I guess. Um, Sometimes writers don't have a lot of power with that, though. Yeah. Um, it's more like if the book sells well, then the publisher will give you the opportunity to do that. So, again, yeah, it's it depends. Also, like, the time period that I sort of base the story around, um, in real life, things don't end up, end up so well after yeah. that time period. Yeah. So it would be kind of a little bit depressing, I guess, to write the characters in the next stage of the story. <laughs> <laughs> And um, may I ask how long from the beginning or conceptual time to your last draft for your editor? How long um, did she take? This one I actually wrote pretty quickly because I was under like a heavy deadline after my right, first book. So right. I had like a two book deal. And basically as soon as I finished the first book, they were like, okay, you need, what's the next one? So um, I had about a year or so to get it all done, right. which was like a big a big change and challenge because like I'd had as much time as I liked with the first book basically mm. and this one it was like oh you've missed another deadline <laughs> where, where is the manuscript nothing like under um, pressure yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd say about a year year and a half to right. get this until publishing mm. and the reason I ask is um is the timely matter of our Russia oh. the, the, that, that's bringing that whole war against the whole um, Russia of war again. Yeah, that, that was entirely not intentional. No, no, I'm <laughs> just, not. No. Um, but yeah, I guess it goes to show um, that there is a very, very long history of yeah. um, Russian imperialism in Eastern Europe. 
And unfortunately, there's some terrible people still alive today who want to yeah. rebuild that Russian empire. But yeah. yeah. I think our, your girls might be here to save us from that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, on to something more personal. As a child, as your younger writing self, what, what is a bit of um, advice that you might be able to give yourself? Or that you'd like to give some others? Um, I guess just hang in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was a really long journey for me to get published. Um, I wanted to be one of those people who like got the deal like that. Um, and then, yeah, that did not happen. <laughs> um, there's a lot of rejection, so I guess I'd warn my younger self yeah. about that. But, um, yeah, just to hang in there and keep trying because, um, yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, if you hang in there, you'll get there. Mm. And also kind of in that same genre, your, do you have favourite authors or novels that you'd like to maybe recommend to people who want to go down that fantasy path? Yeah. Um, oh, I have a mind blank about all my favourites. <laughs> we can come back to that. That's why I have questions on a sheet. <laughs> but... Um, did you see maybe the, the the three girls? Did you do you have people in your own life that you you pull character elements from? No, no. no. <laughs> I feel like I get in trouble for that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, they're definitely not based on anyone in real life. There are a couple of characters in the Midnight Girls that are kind of um, nods to real people who lived in that time, like historical Easter eggs kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but definitely not, they're not based on anyone that I know. <laughs> That's reassuring, I'm sure, for yeah. your friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, uh, Alicia is a library technician, same as myself. Um, I believe she's working full time, which is quite amazing. I don't have time to do my laundry, let alone write a novel. <laughs> Tell me, how, how do you, you switch off and find yourself time to, to write? I don't sleep a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I mostly write after work and on weekends. So especially when I'm at deadline, I tend to disappear for a while. Yeah. Apologies to my friends. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, it's definitely you have to kind of be disciplined. Um, I make I put aside a certain couple of hours at night to write, right. especially when I'm on deadline. Um, and yeah, on the weekends as well. I try and get at least one day where I do at least get a bit of writing done. Mm. Yeah. And you've got some other stuff you're working on currently? Um, well, yeah. Always, like always. an artist. <laughs> Any artist has got about five pieces of work going. Yeah. yeah. And when you're writing, I think I know the answer, but do you like, do you have sound in the background or do you like silence or? Um, I usually have like a playlist for each. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. So like just with songs that I kind of relate to the characters or the world. Um, and that also helps as well coming from work in the afternoon. Like I'll put the playlist on, usually yeah. like I light a candle and that kind of resets my brain. It's like, okay, okay, this is your writing time. Yeah. And, and then I'm in, because of like the playlist relates to the story, it's like I'm in the right headspace to write about those characters. Mm. Mm. And this is a bit of a left field. I hope you don't mind. It wasn't on my little list, but... Do you sew? Are you a sewer? Or a visual <laughs> artist of any sort um, as well? I used to sew a lot. Right. Um, like in my uni days, not so much anymore. I feel like all my creativity is poured into writing now. Oh, and we, we're happy about that. Um, the reason I ask is the way you describe um, the coats and, oh. and, and the metallic threads that weave yeah. through them. I just I found that really 
as somebody who does um, admire costume, especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I just found it really... <laughs> I've, I've learnt a lot about um, Slavic folk tales, fairy tales and things like that. Um, this one's got claws, though. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, in life, love and life, a lot of the time, the, the excitement's all in the chase. And I saw that between our two fabulous female lead characters. Um, do you... That's Although it's a very underlying love story, admiration story, um, do you tend to do... Um, I don't know how to word this one. I just love the fact that they're so positive um, and such at, at odds with each other mm. and, and their admiration as well. I felt like poor um, morning. <laughs> I really felt morning like she, she's, she's kind of the first. She's like the absolute. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, um, and my heart breaks for her because she really does have this unrequited love for midday, um, which I just can't. It breaks my heart a little bit. Um, yeah, so I, I mean that's going back to me being selfish and wanting to see this this duo team up together. But um, yeah, anyways. <laughs> So, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, when you started with the ideas of Midnight Girls, did you have um, a narrative? So, you, you obviously, you've got your beginning, middle and your end. Did you know that you wanted to write a feminist? Uh, well, not, not so much feminist, but a strong female lead in the way that you did? Mm. Well, I definitely wanted to write about two villains who were girls and, like, who were very ambitious, um, and I didn't want them to be re redeemed at the end, because I feel like I've read a lot of stories where the villain becomes good at the end, magically, um, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted them to be not, well, yes, wicked, but also, like, oh. true. Yeah, yeah. True, true to their monstrous. Yeah, yeah, they have their own set of morals, which are... Or lack of morals, <laughs> um, and I wanted them, yeah, to be true to themselves right to the end. And it does, um, it does uh, leave you knowing that Marinka needs her to almost um, further her. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm dying to see what the the midnight at the end of the book. <laughs> There's so much that can happen with that as well. Yeah. Um, is there a reason that that midnight is a boy? Um, not really. I just, um, I feel like as well in a lot of fiction, sometimes it's like witches can only be women or only be girls. And I yeah. feel like that's a little bit unfair. Um, so yeah, I wanted to have um, the new midnight be a boy. Just kind of, I'd like everyone to feel welcome in my books. That's right. why, Love I it. guess, like, I include so many queer characters. Mm. Um, also because I'm queer and I want more queer stories about queer people. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, just people from different backgrounds. Yeah. I like them all to feel safe and welcome and that they have a space in my story. Oh, that's beautiful. And um, yeah, applause for that because I found that um, although we're getting a little, little bit more coverage in the media and in novels and things like that, a lot of the time it's it's overcoming adversary. And it's um, that's why I loved this because it is so so positive um there's nothing negatory about the yeah. the 
um, their love stories and and, um, and Joseph's um, admirer as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. There's that um, uh, torn, he's torn. I, I'm sorry, a Kajan? Kaisan, sorry. Um, and that's again almost an unrequited um, love that's there. And I just, I'm here for it. Yeah, I really am. It was definitely, um, it's a deliberate choice in my world. I don't include anything like homophobia. Yeah. Um, just because I have to deal with that in everyday life and I don't want it in the books that I create for like an escape and for people to go into and think about like the better magical world. And that's what it's in. Yeah. We need more of you. <laughs> the world needs more of you. So do you see yourself in the future staying through the fantasy vein or um, is that is that where your passion lies? Yeah. Is taking us away yeah. into that world? Yeah. I've definitely always been a sci-fi fantasy fan. Um, I don't read a lot of contemporary just because, yeah, I guess I read for escapism and I don't really like reading about everyday life yeah. um, no offense if everyone if everyone likes contemporary too it's great um it's just not my thing um so yeah i might like if i ever wrote something in a different genre it'd probably be sci-fi um but definitely staying in that that genre mm. and if we all put on our enchanted masks now <laughs> that would leave us all very open that's a very um fraught with danger thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I noticed that that wasn't really noticed by many people that his mask melted away. Mm. Was that a deliberate thing that um, you're implying that Joseph knows? Oh, It's yeah. no surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. There are many hints that they are also soulmates. I guess yeah. that was another goal. Like um, in other books I've always seen like, all the main like there'll be a queer a queer couple but then there'll be straight couples as well and then all there's like all straight casts and I'm just like well I'm gonna write a book where everyone is queer and all of the romances are queer yeah just because like why not exactly right exactly right I um and now to like the last hundred pages or so so full paced um I found it hard to work and not have my book open to see what was <laughs> happening um. I can see that 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 sleigh ride, for very broad term there, um, would be, you described it so well, but in knowing that it would just be a sea of white as well, Mm. I have to commend you on your use of language during that scene because it was just, I was there and I was cold. (laughs) And I was was underneath that snow with them. Um, Yeah, have you been lucky enough to, to go to Poland and be a part of there's, is it a Kulig? Kulig. No, unfortunately, I've never been to Poland, like, in the summer. So I've always, I really want to go when it's winter. I'd love oh, yeah. to celebrate, like, Christmas over there and then see, like, yeah, go for the sleigh rides and everything. The carnival celebrations, like, in modern-day Poland are a lot smaller. Um, so nothing, like, in the book, unfortunately. Um, but there are still um, torchlit sleigh rides and stuff, yeah. just not as big. I based a lot, like um, when I mentioned doing a lot of historical research, um, yeah, I based the sleigh ride in the book off accounts that I've read of like historical sleigh mm. rides. And even then I had to like um, decrease the number of horses because like, and sleighs, like 
the one in the book is actually a smaller celebration than real ones, which is quite incredible. Like yeah, thinking of like the huge. number of slaves. Just because I thought when readers are reading that, it's going to be like this is like not realistic enough. Ah, it's too fantastical. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. And um, I remember I can't open my book and find it now, but there's a scene where Joseph says to his father or the king, sorry, and then um, she's like, this is, I'm trying not to give away things. <laughs> um, and he says, I don't want to have to have a sleigh ride to visit people. Mm. And I kind of felt again, like based in reality, that can be quite, when you're, yeah, like there's so much, um, not aggression, but attention. Yeah, yeah. He, um, Yusuf is one of the characters that is sort of, vaguely based on a historical person, like yeah. um, the nephew of the last king of Poland, who is one of Poland's most famous heroes. Um, if you look it up, you'll find him <laughs> very easily. Um, but his biographies and like his life is like really fascinating to read about and just um, what a big part he played in the fight for freedom. Yeah, just unreal. Hey, we're just gonna do a picture of you. <laughs> Sorry, folks, it's my first um, author interview at the moment, so I hate, to, I hate to be falling back on my notes, but I'd rather do that. Um, okay. So when you're researching your Polish history, you, you obviously, you're speaking with um, your family. Do you, are there accounts that you borrowed from? Um, not really from my family's history because that's they came here a lot like after a different war yeah um the time period that I was writing about is like 1795 like it was quite a long time ago mm. yeah so um but yeah if you want to there's plenty of great um books out there like about Polish history um just ask your librarian <laughs> where they will be able to help you it's like yeah a really fascinating period of history to research so, one of my favourite parts, also being queer, is the kiss. When she <laughs> finally has the kiss. That's one of the most positive yet nerve-wracking experiences I've read for um, LGBTQI+. Um, I just want to offer my congratulations to that. I don't know how many times you might, might have had to rewrite that or, or anything, but the tension that you build is palpable. Um, and I'm, I'm, it's not a question, I think I'm just admiring your writing. <laughs> <laughs> Again, though, um, we need more positive characters, and especially female leads. Mm -hmm. So, again, thank you. I wish that kind of writing was around when I was mm. 16. <laughs> so, um, what, touching on that, have you, what kind of experiences have you had from students or, or readers of that in that? Um, coming out, not so much coming out, but experiencing and have you had lots of... Um, yeah, I um, got some really lovely um, like DMs on Instagram and stuff from um, teen readers saying how much they enjoyed the book and seeing the representation. Um, there was one from like um, a Polish-Australian girl, which was really nice. Um, and yeah, other girls who are like, um, have said like, oh, I've never felt represented in books before, so seeing this was really great. Yeah, yeah. and but it is. Yeah, and there is like a lot more um, queer books coming out, which I think is really nice. 
It's mm. nice being a part of that movement. Yeah, yeah. you should be very proud. <laughs> I, um, so can I ask what you have in store for us in the future? <laughs> any um, new worlds or you want to stay along that same? Um, <laughs> it's, I don't think, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. No, um, fair enough. <laughs> um, but definitely more young adult fantasy. Oh, good. Yeah. That's what we need. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I can't help but say thank you so much. Um, I've got, do you have any questions? Me? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you'd like to touch on anything? Um, um, does the audience have any questions? Or are they like wondering or something? Sorry, I've got a little question. Yep. Fan fiction. Did you were you part of the community? Sorry, Suzanne. Oh, um, no, I haven't written fan fiction. I've enjoyed reading a lot of fan fiction. Um, and my friends have told me there's actually like fan fiction for my first book, which was like, oh my god, uh, I feel like like that makes me happier than receiving like an award. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've made it if there's fan fiction of my work. <laughs> I think you'd be right, actually, um, because a lot of the time the awards are all stuffy old pictures and things like this. This is actually from your targeted demographic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, does anybody have any questions? Sorry, I'm calling that a bit earlier. Can, can you tell us something about your process of going from research to the story? Do you, do you have like a, a plan for the story and then you target your research or do you just take on a whole lot of information and, and wait to see what comes back? Um, so for the Midnight Girls, I had that original like little spark where I was like, I want to write a romance with between two villains. Um, so then it's sort of like, oh, now I have to figure out a plot, um, and then I'll decide on the world. So usually when I'm starting out with a new story, um, I write kind of like a, like what you'd read on the back cover of a book, uh, like um, like a short pitch, a blurb, a blurb. Yeah, that, that's the word. Um, and that really gets clear in my head, like where the story is set, who the main characters are, what they want and what the stakes are. Um, so yeah, I'll have that as my little guideline. And after that, I'm a big plotter, so I have a really detailed outline. Um, like I said, I like the three-act structure. Um, and there's lots of like beat sheets online that you could find if you wanted to write something similar, like for five-act structure as well. Um, and yeah, and then I'll sit down and brainstorm for ages and ages um, until I have everything set out on the outline, like all the major plot twists. Um, I need to know like the ending of the story and like the midpoint and mm. all those big moments before I even begin drafting. Um, that's just my how my brain works. So at the beginning, it is like a little bit depressing because I've only got like this um, out, like short outline and I'm just sitting there thinking a lot. I'm not getting any words down. Um, whereas everyone else is like, oh, I've got 10,000 words today. And I'm like, I sat in my chair and thought about the story. <laughs> um, so yeah, but after that, once I have that outline, then I can generally draft a lot faster and it's like fleshing out those scenes in between like the major plot twists mm. and then eventually I have the book. I think that um, one of my favourite, oh, again, I don't want to give too much away, but is the offer of, um, is, it, is it Love Down Under? 
Yes, you often yeah, do. that offer, that kind of, I'll do this if you do that kind mm-hmm. of thing. I, I kind of like that and I think that would appeal to a lot of people. <laughs> um, is that, was that, I know this is quite a harder question, but was that twist in your original plot? Or was that something that you thought would bring more to it, uh, playing one off against the other kind of thing? Which is happening already, really, mm. anyway, because they're all in pursuit of the yeah. pureness. Um, but I was really surprised by that. Loved it, <laughs> loved it. Didn't expect it at all. Oh, good. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the story, like, even though I do have that outline, it is flexible and I do change things as I go. And, like, the book goes through lots of rounds of edits as well. Yes. So after I finish my draft, it goes to my editor and maybe my agent, and then they give me feedback and I might I'll revise according to that feedback. Like, you don't have to take everything that they're saying into account if you feel strongly about something. Um, you fight for your characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also sometimes they're like, there's this huge plot hole here, please fix it. And you're like, I'm so glad you noticed that. Um, so, yeah, getting feedback, I think, is really important. Even if you don't have an editor or an mm. agent, like, just feedback from here. Sometimes you're too close to the story. That's what um, I was going to ask. Yeah, and then you don't realise you've written this plot hole. So, yeah, getting feedback is great because then you can fix that or you're like, oh, this twist might be better if I amplify it or something mm. like that. Um, so, yeah, there'll be... I'm trying to think how many drafts I did for Inside Girls before the last one. Probably, like, three or four, but that was on a very tight deadline. I okay. did more for my first book. And um, the title, The Midnight Girls, is that, um, was that your publisher or was that you, if I may ask? That was my publisher. My, okay. <laughs> because they didn't like any of the titles I came up with. <laughs> I'm really bad at um, coming up with titles. Which is quite surprising, really, because you're a fabulous <laughs> author. You, you know your way around words. <laughs> Talking about that, if you had to describe your novel in, say, ten words or less, to somebody who's, who doesn't know what fantasy is, who's not normally a reader. Yep. Um, so it's a dark fantasy story about two monstrous girls who are competing to steal a prince's literal heart, um, but they end up falling in love with each other instead. It's way more than ten, but I'm here to <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I realised that halfway through. I was like, oh, I can't stop now. It's <laughs> fantastic. It, um, it really... I'd like to see the three of them. Like you were saying, just prior to coming, apparently there's a special edition that has the three girls on the cover. Um, hence why I'm like, mm, she looks so much like morning. <laughs> that blonde hair. But, um, no, uh, fabulous. Who else has got any questions? Anybody? Um, when did you find your love for writing? And, like, when did you start, like, Um, I've always liked writing, so it's sort of been my dream since I was a kid. Um, I still have, like, the first book that I wrote, which is literally just, like, scribbled pages stapled together. And I think I made that when I was, like, six or something. Um, my mum kept this book where every year she would write down what I told her, what I wanted to be when I grow up. Um, and things would change, but writer would always be there with it. So it would be, like, writer and teacher or writer and fireman and <laughs> um, but writer would always be there so it's always what I wanted to do um, but I've 
I started seriously writing for pub to get published, um, like late uni days. Um, yes, and um, the craft itself. Um, actually, that's the second part of the question. Obviously, books played a large part in your childhood. Mm. Yeah, mum, dad, grandparents, readers. Uh, my mum's a big reader. Big so reader. We would, we would read Agatha Christie novels too. Oh, fabulous! Yeah. Well, that's where you learn how to build suspense <laughs> and tension. Like, there's real palpable tension there, but not like a soppy romance. No offense to heterosexual romances, but they get overdone and overdone. <laughs> and I, I just think this is so beautifully subtle. Um, and it's one of the first ones I've read that is very subtle, especially with female characters, which I love. All right, anybody else? How did you go about finding a um, agent and then a publisher, and how did that timeline sort of work together? Yep. So to find an agent, um, a lot of them will have their websites and their submission guidelines, um, and then yeah, basically I sent out a whole bunch of um, query letters, which is like the short pitch and sometimes with some pages of the manuscript you've written. Um, and yeah, it took it took a long time for me. Um, I had written my first book. Sorry, this is my second published book but before my first book I'd written at least two other novels that I tried to get an agent with um unfortunately that didn't work out um but those books are probably terrible and shouldn't be published so <laughs> um kind of grateful for that uh, but eventually I found an agent um and then yeah um with my first novel we revised that with her feedback until she thought that it was ready to go out to publishers um, and then, yeah, we submitted a similar sort of thing, um, the short pitch and then the manuscript as well at publishers. Um, and then, yeah, again, a lot of waiting and a lot of rejection. <laughs> um, but then luckily, um, yeah, um, Sourcebooks, the publisher in the US offered, and also Penguin in Australia. So you got picked up in the US first? Yes. Oh, wow, congratulations. It's a big market to get into. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Really pleased about that. <laughs> I think there's another question here somewhere. No? Yeah, there we go. Um, I was just wondering what... <laughs> um, how do you kind of go about... Because um, it's like the traditional stories and like traditional mythology. How do you go about kind of bringing that into... Um, like for a modern reader, is there any kind of things that you adjust, any kind of things that you kind of think about when you're um, bringing that into a space for the modern reader? Mm, I think, I think a little bit. I was kind of lucky with the Midnight Girls, or not, I don't know, lucky. Like we were talking about how timely it is, unfortunately, with how things are going in Eastern Europe at the moment. But I think, yeah, a lot of those, when I was researching, I was also um, not only reading like historical accounts, but also fiction written at that time, just to kind of get into the head of people who lived during those, um, like the uprisings and everything. And yeah, it is surprising how like the mindset like there's so much we can relate to um, and that fight for freedom. So it's like sometimes you didn't even need to make things modern. Like they were thinking and dealing with the same things that we deal with today. Great question though. It's taking me back to um, when they're in the 
the, the monks in being taken yeah. back to the monastery yeah. and how the curses are actually written in the wall to yeah. protect because they knew that that was coming. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, beautiful. Um, some more questions? Anybody? Um, I was just wondering, um, it might just be me, but I thought that Zosha shared a lot of similarities with Eva from your last book. And like with all that kind of introverted tendencies and stuff, I was just wondering if that's the kind of character you can relate to or like writing about. Um, a little bit. I, I think they are because they're the sort of quieter type compared to like um, their foil, Lena and Radinka. Um, I actually found Zosha quite hard to write. Ava, I didn't. Um, she was really fun, like I said, and that was one of the reasons why I wrote two villains in this new book. But Zosha, it took me a long time to kind of figure out what she wanted and how to get into her head. I think I related a little bit more to Marinka. Um, yeah, Zosha doesn't give away much. Yeah, does she? I think that's why, yeah. because she's quite closed off. Mm. Even I was writing her and I couldn't get into her head and see what she was thinking. Um, but I do kind of like writing those characters because it's fun to, yeah, because they're kind of a mystery at the beginning. Um, and then, yeah, as you get to know them more, you learn sort of their motivations. And the balance of yeah. the two minds yeah, as well. It's the light and dark, it's the good, well, it's evil, evil really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the daylight, the night, the night, the shadows, yeah. yeah. I, like, I like having the characters be a foil for each other, so mm. kind of opposite. Wonderful. What else have we got? Anybody else? I am. Um, I highly recommend you guys. I am. Ha I'm ashamed to say I haven't read The Dark Tide yet. It is on my desk upstairs, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to cloud cloud my mind with characters. So I'm totally here for Eva as well. By the sounds of it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we do have some copies of um, Alicia's book uh, for sale at the back here. I believe it's twenty twenty dollars uh, a copy. Um, we've also got a couple of copies of The Dark Tide as well, so um, if you'd like to purchase those. Do we have any other? Yes. We can sign them as well, of course. Um, I'll be lining up. <laughs> Do we have any other questions?
and yeah, sometimes they'll just be a place that I already think is like um, magical. Like I've been to Venice and mm. it's so beautiful. So that was why I wanted to set the dark tide there. Um, and then, yeah, I was interested in Polish history um, and I thought, oh, this is where I want to set my next story. And although um, monsters uh, or monstrous, they really have the whole gamut of the human conditions, the emotions. And that's what I found that I really connected with. I mean, I love the fantasy world. I love the descriptors and, and all the adjectives, but I truly connected with the way that they relate to each other. So that when one wasn't there, they were missing 50%, their reason and their drive. And that's how I think it, how it works so well on a human level even though that um, I really wouldn't want to meet one of these women in the middle of the night. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I wouldn't want to cross them. Yeah. I think if you decide to write something that's like rivals to lovers or even enemies to lovers, yeah. um, you do need them to be like foils and drive, like drive each other forward um, and sort of like because you have that foil, um, they're the opposite of the other character. Like yeah. they, they change each other throughout the story. Um, mm. And yeah, there's that that tension there. They make oh, I don't know if in the Midnight Girls they make each other better, but they make each other worse. <laughs> so which is better? Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the Dark Tide, they make each other better. So mm. <laughs> there are some of the scenes where the taste of the oh, striptease and the metallic taste of the blood and the heart. <laughs> oh. I've never been a fan of kidney and liver and things like that, but I can imagine that that's what it would have tasted like. <laughs> and um, and so far from a vampire movie, like uh, or book, oh, thank goodness um, they're still eating hearts and everything, but it's so much better. <laughs> Any other questions, please? Um, how did you strike the balance between having like purely villainous characters, but also having the reader really want? The best thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think you just, you, yeah, they do terrible things, but you need to, you want your readers to root for them. Um, so to do that, um, I used a couple of um, techniques, if that's the right word. Or um, just like, even if they do terrible things, you need to have explained why they're doing them. Mm. The reader needs to be in their head, they need to understand their motivation. Um, and then, yeah, it can help to have one of them, like, as an underdog. So, like, I feel like everyone likes to root for the underdog. Like, yeah. so even if they're a terrible villain, it's like, well, I want them to beat the other villain. Like, yeah. So She's had too many yeah, hearts already. Like, yeah, it's this, um, you can relate to that struggle, maybe not on that level, but... Um, I'm sure everyone has met someone that just infuriates them or looks like... That makes them better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, just making them relatable and establishing enough of their backstory that you understand where they're coming from and why they're doing these terrible things. I really appreciated that inner monologue that Marinka would have when she was sent to polish the bones of previous <laughs> servants, you know, and I thought that that was really nice. Again, that's a Hansel and Gretel moment for me. Like in, in, this, in a novel, you're seeing in your mind's eye the skulls and the shin bones and everything else. It's not licorice, all sorts and things that are building the house, but that's what I could see. Yeah. So again, hats off to that. That was really well done without forcing it. Anybody else? No? Okay, good. Um, I'd just like to thank um, Alicia. Can we give her a big round of applause?
won't have my fingers crossed for Marie Card. Zoya, but um, definitely the next one. So once again, thank you so much. We've got a little, just a little bit of chocolate for you <laughs> to say thank you for coming. Um, and everybody loves a bit of chocolate. Hopefully you're not lactose intolerant or anything like that. Oh, I am, but I still eat it. Don't you are. Right. I'll buy you a bottle of bread up the corner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Material presented in this podcast is for general information only. Any opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the guest speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of City of Parramatta Council. City of Parramatta Council is not responsible for any injury, loss or damage which you may directly or indirectly suffer in connection with this podcast.